Welcome to How to Read, Understand, and Make Use of the Scriptures. We've been talking about uh, principles of biblical interpretation and how uh, this great gift that God has revealed himself to us uh, in human language. So we do say this is the word of the Lord when we read uh, the text, but we also rejoice that God, um, God uses human words, uh, words with meaning, and he puts them in sentences, uh, and those uh, sentences uh, are in the context of paragraphs, and uh, there is a certain historical context uh, that an author writes in. And so God reveals uh, himself to us clearly uh, through human language and also uh, in the context of human history. Now, I had a professor back in the seminary, and this this goes over 30 years ago, and it's amazing how you remember these little things and how they stick with you. But he would enter the classroom, and the first thing he would do is uh, on the top right-hand corner of the blackboard, uh, with chalk, he would write uh, these two little phrases. Context, context, context. Content, content, content. And so uh, it was his way of saying that a text uh, always has meaning within a specific historical context. So I'm going to take a a couple of videos and and walk through this idea of context and content using uh, books of the Bible. So the first one we're going to talk about context and content is uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Now, the Gospel of Matthew uh, helps us uh, uh, understand that uh, the context of this is the Jewish written to the Jewish community. Uh, they have an understanding um, as the Gospel of Matthew begins that Jesus, the, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of, of Abraham. And so the context is that this one born of uh, the Virgin Mary is the one who was prophesied, the one who fulfills, uh, and this is what Matthew in his gospel is is doing, the one who fulfills all of uh, the promises of the Old Testament. And so you'll find this word fulfilled, uh, fulfill or fulfilled, a number of different times as you read the gospel. Jesus himself speaks of this idea of uh, him fulfilling or filling to the full all of the promises in Matthew chapter 5. He says, uh, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Uh, another way of saying uh, it is to fill them to a f- to the full. So think of a funnel and how when you pour water into a funnel, uh, it uh, it you know, comes out uh, through the little spout there in a concentrated way. Uh, so all of the Old Testament, you could put them into the funnel and they all point to um, the containers filled to the full with Jesus the Messiah. So Jesus in the Old Testament is um, foretold, but he is also for, foreshadowed in a number of different ways. Foretold means in words and promises. Uh, the voice of the prophets uh, speak about one who was to come. Uh, Isaiah will talk about the suffering uh, suffering servant. Uh, the Psalms will talk about the son of David. He is foretold in words and promises. Uh, and the triune God, the good news is he makes promises and he keeps them. 
And so when he foretells something through the prophets, uh, he makes it come to pass. So Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, uh, the prophet uh, speaks of uh, the virgin will uh, conceive and give birth to a child, uh, to a son. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, the account of uh, Mary and Joseph, the angel comes to uh, Joseph and says to him in Matthew chapter 1, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then it says there, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And then there's that direct reference to Isaiah chapter 7. The virgin will will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So from the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, um, uh, Matthew begins to speak about Jesus as the one who is the fulfillment uh, of all of the promises in the Old Testament. Matthew chapter 2, this, uh, this holy family is warned by the angel to flee to Egypt um, because uh, Herod has uh, give, given the order that all the newborn uh, babes, two years and uh, younger, should be slaughtered. He was threatened by this uh, one called King of the Jews. Now, this is a, a fulfillment of Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. So Matthew 2, uh, the text says, So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled, there's our phrase again, so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. Matthew chapter 4 speaks of the ministry of Jesus, and um, it says that after he was baptized uh, and he left Nazareth, he, uh, he went and lived in Capernaum. And this was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. And it says here, verse 14, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And this is a quotation from, from Isaiah chapter 9. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In Matthew chapter 12, um, verses 17 and following, uh, it speaks of this uh, servant who will come. Um, and uh, Matthew 12, verse 17 says, This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And this is a, a quotation from Isaiah 42, talking about this, this servant, also known as the suffering servant. Verse 18 of Matthew 12 says, Here is my ser- servant whom I have chosen the one I love, in whom I delight. And I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring proclaim justice to the nations. And the spirit, um, Matthew records, was uh, placed on Jesus in his baptism, right? It descended like a dove. Verse 19, he will not quarrel or cry out. No, no one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. Um, Matthew chapter 13 says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Jesus quoting uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Though seeing they do not see, 
and though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And that, that same day, Jesus went out uh, of the house and sat by the lake, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 uh, it says, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of I- Isaiah, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have clothed close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. And so, uh, as Jesus cries out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But Isaiah speaks of those, uh, even those who who see Jesus face to face and hear his words, their hearts are, are hardened, their eyes are closed. Even Jesus speaking um, in parables, in Matthew chapter 13, it says, Jesus spoke to them in all these uh, these parables, and he didn't say anything to them without using a parable. And then it says, so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And Psalm 78 also speaks of uh, Jesus teaching this way, teaching in parables. Uh, On his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, uh, we call it Palm Sunday, Matthew chapter 21, uh, the crowd is yelling uh, with palm branches in in their hands, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, Matthew says in Matthew chapter 21, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Well, that's, again, um, promised in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Uh, in the Passion, uh, Jesus is about to be handed over um, to the soldiers, but there is, uh, there is Peter who wants to fight. And so Peter takes out his sword, and uh, Jesus says to him, put your sword back in its place, for all who draw the sword will die by, by the sword. And then he says, do you not think that I can call on my heavenly father and uh, he'll put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Um, but interesting to note, Matthew 26, verse 54, Jesus says, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? Peter, put the sword back. I must go to Jerusalem. I must suffer. I must die, but I will rise again on the third day. Put your sword back in its place. The scriptures must be fulfilled. It must happen in this way. Uh, Matthew chapter 26 uh, says there, at that time, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple course teaching and you didn't arrest me. Then again, verse 56, but this all has taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Uh, Even the death of Judas in Matthew chapter 27, it says that is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Uh, Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 silver coins, the coins uh, that were given to Judas to betray Jesus. They took the 30 silver coins, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord 
uh, commanded me. So again, even um, the betrayal by Judas, the death of Judas, and the blood money used to buy the potter's field. So Jesus in the Old Testament is foretold, foreshadowed his person, his work, for this, uh, the, the forgiveness of sins. So he would die. He would rise again on the third day. He, he will rule and reign over all. He gives to us this gift of the forgiveness of sins. It was all foretold, foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Foretold in words and in promises and foreshadowed in types and figures and images. Uh, and the good news, again, the triune God makes promises uh, about Jesus uh, coming uh on behalf of us for the sins of the world. Name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. And he keeps this promise. And so the triune God uh, foretells and he makes it come to pass. So a text can never mean what it never meant. So we're going to find that as we read these Old Testament scriptures, uh, always thinking about how they point to the person and work of Jesus. They're read in a certain context, um, um, but they can never mean something that they they never meant. So we're going to take heart, and uh, as we begin to understand how to read the Old Testament with that in mind, we're going to remember that the triune God wants us to, to hear him and to understand him, to know him, to believe and to trust in him. And uh, the central message of all of that, again, is uh, the person and work of Jesus, that he is uh, for us, that he lives in and he works through us, uh, that he's always with us, even to the very end of the age.